Man, I have no problems with this tune from uh, the band called Pilot from 1975. It was number five in the USA. I think number one in Canada. I don't know how it did in the USA. Produced by Alan Parsons, which I think is interesting, and uh, Pilot, a group from Edinburgh, Scotland. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Pilot. We're here to talk about Magic and uh, Ossie Wynn's new show. It's playing at the Judson Theater in New York City, and it's called Ossie Wynn's Inner Circle. And I went to go see it few weeks ago and just blew me away and it's a phrase we use in our chat here a few times and it's totally apt it it, it fits it is a tiny little theater every seat is good and the audience was just going crazy Uh, he just does things over and over and over again and builds it to a crescendo and it's really unlike anything i happen to love going to see magic and magicians always have Always been something I've been fascinated uh, with. So uh, we usually talk about music on this podcast, but uh, not always. So uh, if you're interested in magic or great performers or interesting people, I think this will be up your aisle. Anyway, his website is ozzywind.com. You can check it out. And uh, it's playing through September 3rd at the Judson Theater on Thompson Street uh, in Greenwich Village in New York City through September 3rd. So get a ticket. Tell me what you thought about it. I hope you enjoy this. It's me and Mr. Ozzy Wind. Ozzy Wind, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. We have a little bit of a tough job here because what you do is so visual and we're on the radio. But I saw the show. I loved it so much. I really want the audience to know how great this show was. So the first thing I want to say is when I saw the show, I purposely did not read any reviews before I went. I try to see every Magic-related production around here, and I just didn't want to know anything about it. And the, the first thing I was struck by immediately was how funny you are. And to me, comic magicians don't work most of the time, I think, because I think uh, people agree more often on what is good magic than on what they think is funny. So to me, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't always work. Yeah, but th- that's the thing that, that surprised me the most about you, was just the show was hysterically funny. I mean, it was partic- I, It was just Thank the you. exact type of humor that I love. Uh, it's very dry, very quick-witted. So, question, how similar are you to that guy offstage? Well, I, I am. I'm even goofier. I, I love to crack jokes and whatnot and bust my friend's balls. And, you know, like, we're very, like, this, this is something that a lot of people don't know. Like, for example, you know, I've worked with David Blaine for... I would say 15 years almost. And, you know, when you think of David Blaine, you don't think funny. David (laughs) Blaine is hilarious, hilarious. And we have a really weird sense of humor. Like we can look at each other with one little thing and we're like on the floor laughing our asses off. Humor to me is important just in my life in in general, like to, to look at things in a very, through that lens, it makes life a little more tolerable. So yes, I, I, I love humor. I really do. And I think it's important for a magic show. And I can explain that too. Yeah, please. So here's the deal. You know, in a magic show, you know, you go and you see a lot of things that just blow your mind. Like you don't know how it works. Now, a very famous magician, uh, Di Vernon, used to say, you know, people want to be fooled by a gentleman. <laughs> now, there's a lot of merit to it because... There's a small percentage of people that say, oh, I don't want you to offend my intelligence. I don't want you to make me feel stupid. And magic could do that if it's done the wrong way, right? You know, I spent hours and 
and months and years to create a moment that you can't explain. Not because I want to make you feel stupid, because I want to make, make you feel wonder, to, to feel that excitement. The, the line is really easy uh, to cross, right? Between being offensive and being, you know, condescending or just giving people a great time. So humor is a tool that I think is very important. It levels you up. You know, you're looking, you know, at people as people and you're not telling them I'm better than you or anything like that. I'm here to create a wonder, wonderful time with you, uh, you know, something that you can't explain, whatnot. And the humor really helps it. I think it's very important. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, it's, it's definitely we've come a long way from the guy in the top hat in a tuxedo doing magic as if he had actual magic powers. You are just you walk in there. And you're and you yes, you immediately establish this rapport with people, and it truly hysterically funny. I mean, it's as the the, the thank you to me. The humor was a, a huge part of of the show. So it's not just a bunch of tricks in a row. It's also sort of there's a sort of an autobiographical thread that goes through. Correct, yeah. yeah. So tell us, uh, tell the audience where you're from and uh, how you got to where you are. Sure, sure. So I'm originally from Israel. You know, I've done magic my whole life. I have other interests like painting and some other stuff that I do talk about. I'll tell you the idea for this show and how it came about. So as a magician, right, I've seen lots of magic in my life. And the best magic I've ever seen was basically in Madrid, in Spain, right? After dinner with a bunch of magicians and one of the masters, I talk about him in the show, Juan Tamariz, is sitting there and he goes, you know, let me show you something I'm working on. And we clear the table from all the drinks and food. And that's like this impromptu show for us. And it's the best magic I've ever seen. And, you know, that made me always think that, you know, the best magic that can happen is it's when you have intimacy. So this show was designed. Everything about it was designed to create this intimacy that I think is important in, in the theater. So we, from scratch, we had to build a, a show that kind of like arcs around a table. So everybody's super close. There's no bad feet. So to me, that was the first inspiration. You know, how do we create this, you know, feeling of intimate and, and closeness and whatnot that magic really needs? I was in the very last row, but it's a 106-seat theater, and there's only five rows, and every seat has a... It's a very specially constructed uh, theater, and every seat is great. Yeah, it's a, because it's just a guy with some cards, mostly. Correct. And, you know, when we went to the workshop, we had to, like, makeshift those platforms and put buckets under, you know, chairs and, and like, two more inches and it's better. And, like, we really fought to give every seat the, the best clearance so you can see it. And there's some other things that I'm not going to expose, you know, that you, you know, to make the, the magic really play as big as possible and as close as possible. So we had some production tricks with in the show that I, I rather not say because it's better off being a surprise. But yes, that's very important. But the second thing that was, you know, kind of a, uh, a revelation to me, I do tricks with playing cards and I love playing cards. I think they're cool and I, I'll keep doing this forever. But in this show, even though I use cards, they're not really playing cards, right? And this was a revelation to me. Many, like 10 years ago, I wrote a note in my, in my journal it will be cool to have a blank deck, nothing printed on it, 
and allow the audience to write their names on each card. So they get markers, red, black, and whatnot, and they start you know, writing their names, decorated if they want, put their initials. So every card basically belongs or associates with one specific person in the audience. So now I have a deck of cards with 100 or so cards, and every one of them is a name of a person in the audience. So immediately people are involved, and they know that they, their name is, is right there. And, and as we choose, now we don't choose cards, we choose people, we choose names. And it becomes a, a very special uh, show, and the whole show is done with that. Instead of the King of Hearts, it's the Michael Shelley card or something like that. Exactly. And exactly. it, I agree, it is such a genius revelation to use this specially constructed deck, and then it, every trick relates to the folks sitting in the audience in a incredible way, and the the whole show just kind of builds and builds and builds, uh, all just, on, and every sh- trick is just centered around these piles of cards that we've seen being created right before us. Uh, there's a phrase that I like to use called clean magic, you know, when somebody brings out, I don't know, a, you know, a newspaper that doesn't look real and does a trick with it. It's still a great trick, but you know there's just something about this fake newspaper that <laughs> helped help, help them do the trick, you know. So the, the cleaner the magic is for me, you know, it, it really just comes down to your hands and these cards, mostly. So so my question is, how hard is it to do what you're doing up there? Because I, I think you know, the mark of good magic is that it doesn't look like you're doing anything, you know? Correct. So how hard is it to do? Well, it's, it's a really great question because, you know, years ago I made um, a rule that I would never use props that I need to explain. Like, for example, <laughs> I was sitting with my, my my group of helpers and whatnot that I adore and they're great, they're young magicians. And after every show we go and eat food, right? After the show. And, you know, we spoke about the linking rings. It's basically those metal round rings. And it's a beautiful effect. It's a very strong effect. But I told them I will never use that. And they go, why? And I said, because you can't explain what this is. It has no function in real life other than, you know, uh, in a magic show. Mm. So I would never use that. <laughs> and And now we... They argue with me. No, people know it. It's famous. Everybody knows what it is. So I started asking everybody in the restaurant, excuse me, uh, do you know what this is? <laughs> Nobody knew. Nobody. And to me, the moment you, you see a prop and you go, oh, that's something you buy in a magic shop, you already reveal the secret. Yeah. It's already like the, the mystery is gone. Yeah. Because you, you as a member think, oh, if I owned this prop, this piece of apparatus, I could do it too, right? So I would only use, so I tell you, when I do private events, I, you know, I still do private, you know, I invent sometimes for 20 people in their living room. And, you know, I always tell them, I'm not going to bring anything. Can you please buy two decks of cards, bring some books, bring some silverware, and bring this and this and that? Like I give them a list of things. And I do the whole show with their stuff because I know I'm not somebody to be trusted. And even more so, the things I'll bring with me. <laughs> so they bring everything first, what makes my life easier. It's cheaper for me. But also, it, it makes for a much better show. Because they go, hold on. We just gave him a, a spoon, and he bent it by looking at it. Or we gave him a deck of cards, 
we shuffled it ourselves and took one card in a different room and he knew what we took. Mm. Ah, that's, that makes it so much better, right? So, yeah, I agree with you about clean magic. It's a nice term. It's, it's about creating... Look, I, I, in the show, I lie, uh, I'm a charlatan. I, I do a lot of things to, to cheat. I cheat. But it's, for me, it's important. That the, it's, it's convincing as can be. I want people to come and experience something that is close as possible to real magic. And you need to go above and beyond to do that. And yeah, this show took a lot of time to figure out because I want people to, I want their minds to be blown. I'm not, I'm not there to do some cutesy magic. I want people to really experience something that's magical and strong. Oh, yeah. Well, there are multiple times. I mean, you've used that phrase to blow people's mind a few times, and that's really what happens. And when you're in the audience and you're watching something happen that just doesn't look possible, and then the look on people's faces is truly, you just don't see that in other types of entertainment that, you know, I, I, I don't, people just don't even know what to think. Yeah, their mind is blown. That's exactly what it is. So it, just to, to put a, a, a point on it, it's it's very, very hard to do. Is that correct? It is hard to do because, you know, this show could only happen because I've been doing magic for a long, long time. Since I'm 13. Uh, I'm not going to reveal my age, but for a long, long time. <laughs> de- decades of, of figure. Yeah, because it's, it, you know, I've been obsessed with, you know, what's the, I, I go see a lot of magic shows and whatnot, and I, I try to figure out what's the difference between the good and the great and the unbelievable. And the truth is, it's, we're talking about minuscule details, right? I always make the comparison to, I'm a, I'm a coffeeholic. I love coffee. The best cup of coffee and the worst cup of coffee are made exactly the same way. The difference is, one has the best ingredients and the process is precise and whatnot, and the other one is just half-assed. It's just, they do the, the same procedure, but it's not detailed-oriented. So this show, you know, every little thing was, you know, I dwelled on and, and polished and I keep polishing this show. Like some people come see the show again and again and go, wow, it's a little different. It's a, I, if you just stop rethinking this, it's just not going to work. So I mm. keep thinking about it nonstop and tweaking it, a line here, a pause here, you know, every little thing will make a difference. Yeah, I've got I've got a theory that uh, people who are bad sports to magicians are bad people. You know, that's a good indicator of a low character, somebody who does not <laughs> want to have the magician succeed. But a question for you, uh, a couple of questions. If you ask somebody, pick any card, is it the wrong move to pick a card that's all the way to the left or the right? Should they make your life easy or should they make it hard? It's funny you say that because... By the way they choose, if, if you spread the card between your hands and you say to someone, pick a card, by the way they take the card, I can identify what type of person they are. Hmm. And I have an antidote for every one of those types. They just don't know this. So like there's the guy who's like a smart ass who would go, oh, okay, I'll go for the very top card. And that will fool him. Um, little do they know, I've done it thousands of times and I've met this guy before. He just doesn't know it. <laughs> so, so I, and immediately he reveals so much about himself. You know, it reminds me that, you know, pickpockets in, let's say, like very clever pickpockets in, let's say, Italy or whatnot, they disguise themselves as guides. 
and they go on a bus and they say, hey, guys, um, just so you know, there's lots of pickpockets in this area. Please make sure everything is on you, secure and whatnot. Now, everybody in the, on the bus or in the crowd starts checking for their wallets and phones and whatnot. But what they're doing without realizing is indicating to those thieves where those things live. <laughs> yeah. So now they have, okay, this guy has a big wallet. It's there. He has a jewelry. He has this. He has that. He has an expensive one. And they basically surveyed the audience. And they also know where everything is. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like Tai Chi, using the opponent's power against him. So mm. it's, it's, there's a lot of, look, magic is not fair. Okay. We're not playing fair, but we do it with best of intentions. So yes, you know, it's very easy to cross the line of, you know, using magic in the wrong way, right? Like, for example, there's the people that claim for supernatural powers, which I don't. But what they're doing is, is kind of like robbing you off your intelligence, right? You, you, you go to a room uh, knowing something, and you, you, you leave the room knowing less about the world and how it operates and how it works. My job, I think, as a magician is to inform you that these things could happen if you put your mind to it. And you, 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 you leave the room more informed. Not not knowing less. To me, it's important. So with with magic, you have a responsibility. Even in theater, right? Even if you go see a, a, a play or whatnot, it's going to ex- affect you to some degree. It's going to change your point of view about the world to some degree. I think there's a responsibility in, in theaters and in shows and in movies and whatnot. Uh, not just entertainment. Hopefully it does move you or make you think about something. Uh, we're talking to Aussie Wind, and the show is being extended through September 3rd at the Judson Theater uh, on Thompson Street. And folks can go to AussieWind.com for information, etc. A-S-I-W-I-N-D. You were on Penn & Teller Fool Us, a sort of a special show where, they, where you weren't trying to fool them. But folks can go on the internet and see it. I believe it's been viewed 14 million times, something like that. I believe that show. Yeah. Has, has really changed the way folks see magic and think about magic and maybe the, you know, the popularity of magic temporarily giving it a, a, a boost. I know for me, it's in some ways, it's made it easier for me to figure out how tricks are done just by seeing things over and over again and just thinking about, oh, how could this possibly have, have been done? And I'm wondering if you think that that's a good thing or a bad thing. And is, has it perhaps made magicians have to figure out new ways of doing things? You asked me basically a few very good questions. So I'll try to answer all of them. So let's start with Fool Us. Fool Us is something that I did not want to appear on. So I was approached by them a few times by the producers, and I said, you know, I love Penetra. I consider my friends, and I think they're wonderful. I did not like the format of the show because I don't believe magic is about fooling people. I think it's about making people care. It's about moving people, creating an experience for people. It's not about, hey, can you catch me? Can you, can you figure out what I'm doing? That's, for me, never, never been the goal of good magic. So I turned them down many times, even though, again, I have, you know, the, the utmost uh, uh, appreciation for this uh, duel. But after many years, they called me and they said, okay, we figure out how we can get you on the show. And I go, okay, we created a show where you don't need to fool us. It's called the Christmas special. And we bring our favorite magicians to just do a piece. And I'm a little superstitious. It was shot on my birthday. 
And I'm like, okay, I guess I have to do it now. So, and I had a piece that I, that I really wanted to do because I think that piece is not so much about magic. It's about how we view anything and how knowledge affects experience. In other words, the more you know about something, the different experience you're going to have. For example, if you're a foodie and you know a lot about food, your experience with food is very different than the average small that can eat any pizza. For him, they're all the same, right? So... Every, th- every time you know a lot about something, you're, you're going to be affected. Your, your experience is going to be affected. Mm. So anyway, that was the piece I created, and I'm, I'm very proud of it, and, and I'm happy it lives on Fulas because that's the, the big plus about Fulas. Despite my dislike to the format, what it does is it, it allows a lot of very good musicians to give them a stage to perform. So I love that. I love that Penn and Teller are giving magicians a platform. That's beautiful. And I think that's, that's more important than did you fool them or not. It's, it's, because look, if, if you go with a set of, my job, by the way, in the show, and I've heard it that sometimes I succeed with this approach, is that by the time the show is over, you don't want to figure it out. You just surrender. You mm. say, you know what? It was magic and I want it to remain magic. Why will I ruin it for myself, right? It's almost like watching a movie and keep reminding yourself that this character is not really who is playing, is not King Lear, is actually this guy. You know? <laughs> no, you kind of want to, you, you want to believe he is who he is, right? Uh, and you want to believe if somebody died on the film, he really died. He's not pretending to die. To me, at least that's, that's a very good goal. I don't say I always achieve it, but I, I hope that by the end of the show, some people go, you know what? I don't want to figure it out because it felt so awesome not to know. You know, we, we live in an era that we feel like we need to know everything. And it's a burden sometimes. Yes, knowledge is wonderful, but, you know, sometimes to some degree, it's nice not to know, right? It's nice to, to be fooled, the importance of being fooled. So <laughs> to me, you know, if for an hour you can be you know what, I'm letting go, I, I'm going to let go of logic and common sense and physics, whatever I know it's supposed to work, and I'm just going to let it be a surreal moment. Let it be. Let it be unexplainable. Why not? So to me, that, that's a very, it's a very strong flavor uh, that magic can create. Yeah. Uh, I, I will say that I do believe that they, uh, Penn and Teller, want to be fooled every time, that nothing would make them happier, you know? They do. They do. It, it, there's, there's a lot of insights about it, you know, because, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time with them over the years. And it's, it's even for me, it, if somebody shows me a piece of magic and fools the shit out of me, oh, my God, it's, it's, a, it's a divine moment because... I immediately realized I'm seeing something new. I'm seeing something that was so beautifully structured that it created this, this moment for me. To me, that's, that's just wonderful. So, yeah, I, I, I'm sure, you know, they always act like they're pissed off, but it's a really, <laughs> they're, they're, they're really like, they, they love this moment. And then they go backstage and they ask the guy, okay, tell us, how does it work? <laughs> And sometimes they, they get the answer, sometimes they don't. That's interesting. 
there are uh, some videos of you on different TV appearances and stuff at OzzyWind.com, and folks can check it out or and just, you know, Google you, whatever, you go on YouTube there if you want to see kind of what we're talking about and, and the way that you work, because I do think it is unique and interesting. So the show opened last October, I believe, and it's been extended through September. Can you, how long can you do it? How long? I mean, because it's different every night, obviously, based on the mood or even the weather, it could be different. How long do you want to do it? It's a good question. You know, the truth is, at first, when we opened, I, I was not happy. Because my, my aim was very high. I wanted this, this show to be really great. And I was working it and working it and working it. And I got to the point now that I really enjoy doing this show. It's not, it's never, nothing is ever finished. Okay, that's just the way I, work, I roll, right? Nothing is ever perfect. But it's in a place now that I really enjoy performing it. So I'm enjoying it and the audience seems to like it too. That's a good combination. So I think we're going to stay there for now until September 3rd. And then by demand, we might extend again. For now, I'm really enjoying performing the show. I'm having a blast. So I keep doing it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The theater is very close to Washington Square Park. I think I read that you, when you first got to the U.S., just did magic there for whatever money folks wanted to to leave. That's an amazing turnabout. It is. And you know, the funny thing is, I did not realize it. Like, we're building the theater and all that and all this, and I could not connect the dots. I said, hold on, hold on. My producer pointed it out. He said, didn't you say you started your the whole journey in, in, in America by performing on the streets of Washington Square in, in, by the fountain? I said, yes. And I'm, I'm pretty much like 200 feet away from it. So it's like, wow, that's, a cir- that's another circle, right? So it was quite amazing to me that, you know, how New York is, is, is exactly that. The idea that your starting point and your end point could intersect, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's sort of woven into the show a little bit just your your everything's a circle uh what's the is there have there been crazy things that have happened during the show the you know crazy responses from people oh oh yes oh yes oh yes so without revealing too much about the tricks or the moments themselves because i want to still to remain a surprise to whoever has not seen the show there's a piece where, and that, by the way, that educated me because I, I thought, oh, it would be cool to have a deck of cards with names, right? And then the audience kind of taught me that it means a little more than what I thought. Mm. Like, for example, I had some, a woman think about names and, and, and randomly think of any name she, she wanted to. And she happened to think about her son who lives in London. And I just looked at her and through a, a short process, I, I look at her and say, you're thinking of your son and he goes yes and i think his name was david or so i don't remember but it was maybe david and i said his name is david and she started crying but so much like that i i i had to stop the show mm. and i i she was all the way on the, the fourth pier i i climbed all the way to the top gave her a hug and I said is i hope everything is fine with you and your son, she goes, yes, yes, everything is fine. I don't know why I'm crying. But she kept crying. And I took her back to her seat. I said, thank you. And I appreciate, you know, you revealing, you're vulnerable. You're revealing your emotion and your connection. So those names are 
they're way more than names. They're connections, they're memories, they are family, friends. It's a lot, right? And then I said to her, the only way to, I said, listen, the only thing I can wrap it up with is next time, come back to the show and bring your son with your tickets on us, okay? Whenever you want. And it was, it, I was touched by it, very much so. The second thing that happened to me, which moved me a lot, because of many, many levels it moved me. So there's a piece in the show where I, there's a, a big table in, in the front, right? And I lean forward and I, I try to reach the farthest person across the table. And I said to her, uh, please take any, any name or a couple of names from here. And as I'm doing this, I think it was her husband or somebody with her said, uh, you should know she's blind. Okay. And I don't know why I immediately looked at him and I said, so, and, and you could feel the whole room, the, the dynamic, everything changed. And I continued because I think a lot of performers will be scared, you know, to that maybe now if they're daily, you know, doing a trick with somebody who's blind, maybe things might go as planned. And I was not willing to change it even one bit. Hmm. I, I would, I'm going to continue the piece, which is the finale, by the way, with this person who happened to be blind. So what? And I, I said, take those cards. Can you feel them? Great. And I started narrating the whole thing for her. I said, you have three cards in front of you. Put them on the table. Mix them up. You're going to make it. Like, I continued everything. And I did my best to explain to her what's happening and how it's unfolding to the best of my ability so she can feel and see, so to speak, the magic in her, in her hand. And I was moved by this very much so. And... She came back three more times after <laughs> and, and brought more people. And I was so moved by that because you know what? It's at the end of the day, you know, I'm performing for people. And my, my maestro, Juan Tamariz, has explained that one of the, the most important things about being a performer is he, he, he sums it up with seven things. I'm going to give you a, a couple of them is first of all, is your love, your passion for the art. I love what I do. And people can sense it. It's very important to me. Yeah. Then there's the wisdom of the knowledge. People know you're knowledgeable, the effort. I put a lot of work into it. And then the last one that he talks about is your love of people. You can't be a good performer if you don't love people. So to me, you know, I can go about in New York, it's very hustle bustle and you can, people yell and this and people are rude to each other. But in a show, for me, it's very important that it's, it's a place of love. Like we all love each other, we open our hearts and minds to accept, to, to, to hug each other, right? And, and to me, that's important. And that moment was exactly that, you know? Uh, this person came to see the show this, despite the fact that they can't see, they can only hear, and I'm going to make their experience as good as possible. That was my duty at that moment. So anyway, to me, that was a very special moment. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There is some very unique combination of your humor and your charm and your love for what you're doing and your respect and love for the audience that does set the house a certain way and makes people very receptive for this 
feeling that you get by watching you work. And I, I love that feeling. I love that my mind is blown feeling and, you know, who is this guy and what is he doing and where is he from? And, you know, it, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of, it's just, I love the whole thing. It's called Aussie Wind's Inner Circle. Uh, it's through September 3rd at the Judson Theater. Folks can go to AussieWind.com for information or links to those videos and uh, you sell some books and stuff there. I loved it. And, um, I just cannot wait to see your next thing, and I really thank you for visiting you. with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. It was my pleasure, too. Thank you so much. Oh, black magic has me in its spell. Oh, black magic that you weave so well. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. Same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine Same old tingle that I feel inside And then that elevator starts its ride Down and down I go Round and around I go Like a leaf caught in a tide I should stay away, but what can I do? Put out the fire! For you're the lover I have waited for You're the mate that fate had me created for And every time your lips meet mine Baby, down and down I go Round and round I go In a spin Love in a spin I'm in one of the old black magic called love. Ooh, in a spin, loving the spin I'm in. Under the old black magic called love. In a spin, loving the spin I'm in. Under the old black magic called love. I should stay away, but what can I do? Put out the fire! For you're the lover I have waited for! You're the maid that fate had me created for And every time your lips meet mine Baby, down and down I go Round and round I go In a spin Loving the spin I'm in The past and the present and the future 
Faith and hope and charity, the heart and the brain and the body give you three as a magic number. It takes three legs to make a tripod or to make a table stand. It takes three wheels to make a vehicle called a tricycle. Every triangle has three corners, every triangle has three sides, no more, no less. You don't have to guess. When it's three, you can see it's a magic number. A man and a woman had a little baby. Yes, they did. They had three in the family. That's a magic number. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, thirty. Three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, Now the multiples of three come up three times in each set of ten. In the first ten, you get three, six, nine, and in the teens, ten, it's twelve, fifteen, and eighteen. And in the twenties, you get a twenty-one, twenty-four, twenty-seven, and it comes out even on thirty. Yeah. Now multiply backwards from three times ten. Three times ten is thirty. Three times nine is twenty-seven. Three times eight is twenty-four. Three times seven is twenty-one. Three times six is eighteen. Three times five is fifteen. Three times four is twelve. And three times three is nine. Three times two is six. And three times one is three, of course. Magic number.